Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes Kickfighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You are listening to this show in various ways. Either you are at my blog, which is lordgaul.podbean.com, or you are in the most efficient way. You're entering Warman Kickfighting Show into the iTunes or SoundCloud search engines, and my show pops right up. So the first thing I want to start off talking about is... This past weekend was by far the best kickboxing Muay Thai combination weekend I could think of maybe in three years. Clearly, we had the COVID break and a lot less shows, but to see the audiences come back, to see the action come back, still there's still room for growth. So I'm not we're not there, uh, but we are at least working ourselves out of the shadow for sure. We're doing a really good job right now. Kickboxing and Muay Thai are in a really good place. Uh, one championship, they are giving platform a a, a, a great stage for high-level uh, Thai-style Muay Thai fighters, uh, uh, you know, Thai-based, Thai-born Muay Thai fighters, uh, that they're getting a international a look at a lot of the athletes on a regular basis. Now, this is new. Historically, there's usually 10 to 15 guys that have got good, you know, contracts who go out and fight all over the world, you know, have the opportunity to fight all over the world, but it's limited to those 10 guys. The reason why Bokawa is so famous is in his era, there wasn't a lot of ties that were out in the international scene. There was him, there was Yotsen Klai, and a few others. You know, uh, Jamad, I remember uh, when he, I think he relocated to, at the time, Sweden, I can't remember correctly. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But like, you could count them on your hands. The guys who were fighting international and unless you were you know uh, a fight form junkie like myself going to k1 fans and and kakatugi and and all the different you know fight forms that was your best way to hear about high level kickboxing and muay thai you had to go to those forums and you had to see people post those videos also youtube was starting to emerge at that time i should be noted i remember in the beginning people didn't like youtube that much they they wanted full fights youtube had a nine uh, minute limit or nine minute 99 second limit i think at the time so people were like don't post youtube links only post things that could be uploaded or download you know things that could be downloaded so you wanted to do you do you like mega upload stuff like that mega upload long gone since base <laughs> probably long gone but that's how they wanted to get their fights that was your best way to get high level stadium fights you had to know somebody who had a computer who had that in their hard drive or you had to see someone who reposted it and gave you the opportunity but most people would never know about the highest level of Muay Thai fighters. The best the best you could hope for would be a highlight, but really they only made highlights of like the elite of the elite. Uh, so, um, you know, clearly a guy like Sanchai would be the level of guy to kind of get a highlight that will kind of get circulated around for you. You know, like that's uh, that type of a name, you know, and uh, I look at where we are now with one championship and there are ties who are getting a huge stage and a huge opportunity and to, you know to, to hear the crowd get behind them it's really cool because it's never existed before we've never had that much attention on high level ties like we have on one championship now again people are still confused by the map and by map i mean people can't sit down and say i truly believe that this fight will get you a title shot 
nobody knows. It's like all over the place. When you have that many shows and you don't have a extensive rake, you know, raking for us to go off of, there's, there's still going to be that difficulty. But most importantly, they're doing the shows, they're doing it on a regular basis, uh, giving women a platform as well, a lot of high-level Muay Thai fighters, and a lot of KO stoppages. That's a big part of it right now. There have been so many, and when I talk about one championship, another show with a whole lot of stoppages, that goes a long way for people being drawn into the combat sport. Glory kickboxing, not just that they had another, you know, probably their best show in, in a long time, just from top to bottom, but the fact that they've announced so many shows, that goes a long way, that people are given a map this is where we're headed so people know there's four-man tournament we're in that tournament probably going to get in the eight-man tournament at the end of the year back how it was when i fell in love with the sport when we had the regional when we had the european when we had the elimination round, elimination round when we had the world grand prix final that was the feel that we had so the fact that we're getting closer to that and the fact that they've got show, so many shows scheduled man does that go a long way for what they're trying to accomplish we're going to go ahead and, uh, you know, jump into the, the action. I think I'm going to go ahead and start with K-Festa. K-Festa, a few years ago, they decided that they were going to try to replace the, the feel that they have from the K-1 World Grand Prix. But by doing this show every year in March, K-Festa would be kind of like your big kickoff show for the season. You know, like if you look at... Uh, race car driving you know the Daytona 500 is towards the beginning of the season it's not at the end so for K1 they've decided to really uh, you know every March try to put on a huge show uh, 20 plus fight show card and you know showcase some of their best athletes a lot of times they have tournaments every year it's a good year it's good it's fun times and clearly now they're moving into the non-takiro era era how are they going to look without their biggest star takuru still one of the elite names in the sport hasn't made a decision what he's going to move into next but it goes a long way that you have prioritized march as the the month to have your eyes on japan for kickboxing once again, great card, great fights from top to bottom. Let's go ahead and jump into the action. Tetsuya Yamana gets a victory over Kenta Hayashi. Uh, you know, Hayashi had some really solid moments. It's just that whenever they got into exchanges, I thought that Tetsuya was able to find his offense better. He's able to find his hooks and crosses. You know, he's able to sit on his power. It's just something about how he was performing even though he had moments where he got hit for sure. Kentahiyashi was not, like, this was not a blowout, blowout. I just felt like Yamato was, you know, had the difference when they were in the pocket. He was able to, to you know, score his boxing offense a little bit cleaner. Top to bottom, he's one of the funnest kickboxers to watch, you know, win, lose, or draw. It's so funny. I remember he reached out to me while I was matchmaking for Glory Kickboxing, and I was like, oh, this guy really would love the opportunity. He just wants to fight as much as he can. And it's really cool that he gets this opportunity. Hopefully, he's healthy and he can get back in there. Yuki Yoza gets a victory over Teo Asahisa by United's decision to win the lightweight title. Let me tell you, Yuki Yoza is a slick character. Uh, I love the double kicks that he plays with. Sometimes he starts combo offense with two kicks, which is kind of rare in kickboxing. Uh, then he gets into his boxing game afterwards. Uh, I thought that it was close. You know, Asahisa was right there. I just thought that there was just a small, complete kickboxing edge to go to Yuki Yoza. Uh, I think one combo in particular, he went left high kick, left inside kick to left switch knee, and then he went to boxing afterwards. He had a 
clean uh, boxing angle out, you know, behind the lead leg combo, and we'll go back to the low kick. He really had some crafty, entertaining stuff. I want to see more of this guy. Always want to see more of him. Very, very talented. Very good fight. Hiromi uh, Ujima gets a victory over Jam Thong. Uh, they stop it on the, uh, you know, fourth extra round due to low kicks corner through in the towel if i remember correctly ojima was just chopping him up and it you could see that jonathan was doing his best to try to battle through but the the leg work had already been done and then he found himself holding his leg in the air trying to keep the, the chop from going back to the spot and then eventually his corner called it uh he posted videos you know afterwards of his leg and you know uh, i i didn't go through the full of it maybe he did come in with a little bit of an injury all i know is ojima looked great Kickboxing was great. Anytime you get a low kick stoppage in this game, it's always cool. It will never not be cool for somebody to win by low kick. Good job, Hiromi Wojima. Next, we move to uh, Superstar Masaki Nori, who I still feel is the, at this stage, clear, most popular, most successful K1 fighter uh, that they have on the brand. He's got the the best international resume of pretty much anybody in Japan. Uh, he you know lately of course he's been limited to just fighting the k1 cards he, he's gotten away from traveling like he did before he had a couple opportunities he went to france got to went out there he's tough he's really really talented he's a very very good fighter uh, i like him uh, I've, I've been a fan of him everybody knows that i've called him my son because i followed him since he was 16 years old he gets Jabba Askarov, and the first thing that popped in my head was Jabba Askarov. Like that—that's literally what I said out loud. I was like, I can't believe this kid is, you know, still active, still in the game, still fighting. Last I heard of Jabba Askarov, he was talking about his difficulties to find fights because he still wanted his fee because of the time that he's put into the sport and the fact that his his name he feels it brings value because he did contender and he did you know k1 so he feels that he has truly truly earned the right to get high level um opportunities with a very solid paycheck problem was when COVID hit nobody could pay those numbers and i remember him posting saying well, everybody he says don't tell me that you can't pay me my fee or can i get take less than my fee because of covid and i knew that that would hurt him like that would hurt him for getting consistent fights because i promote shows here in texas where i'm at and i can't stress you enough it's expensive and it's hard and during covid it was harder so for someone to bring you in the question has to be asked always how do i make my money off this venture so even if you're a great name remember we are in 2000 you know another thing we're gonna get to we are in 2023 jabber askarov he's built his name by being in the game for a long time but there truly might be a lot of promoters who've got fight bases that have no idea who he is you know it's just it's easy so if I ever hear like a basketball debate like who's better lebron james or michael jordan it's easy for someone from my era to be upset with someone from this era because they don't understand how good somebody from my era was they're not supposed to it's it's part of their era they're truly supposed to believe that lebron james who is super dope and amazing player they're supposed to believe he's the best of all time. He's their era of guy. They can't just, you know, concede that we have a better era, you know, just because we're older. Some people do, some people don't. But some people like what they like and who they like. And your errors matter greatly when you're talking about selling tickets and, and people coming out. And having the K1 rub 
probably had a lot of value from 2010 to 2016. But now we've gone, we haven't had a heavyweight K1 World Grand Prix in Japan since what, 2008, 2009? So it's like, uh, actually I think 2010 was the last one. So because of that gap, remember there's 10 years of kids that were, you know, one to, to nine, they're now young adults and there's a good chance that they never seen k1 at its height so when askarov was out there asking to make sure his fee was there he's probably not understanding that yo i'd love to bring you in but not people may not know you as much as you would think and we got to do our best of course as a kickboxing community to make sure that we get athletes out there because people should know who job askarov is he does have he he has a significant imprint on the sport because he was a part of some really cool opportunities uh, that are memorable in the history of kickboxing. His opportunity in K1, even though it didn't go his way, and his opportunity in the uh, Contender Asia show. Those are big time opportunities that put his name on the map. Plus, he was a fight form guy, so we're always going to love him for that. So it was cool to see when his name popped up. It stunned me, but it was also cool to see that Jabba Askarov got chosen. Gandhi's going against Masaki Nori, who's trying to do something special. I believe Masaki Nori is champion at first at 126, if I remember, maybe, you know, 130 after that. But he stayed in the lower weight classes, but he was always tall for the weight class. He has put on weight. He has gradually moved up. And now he's fighting in the mythical 70 kgs, 154. Bringing in Askarov, I thought, is good because of his history. You know, so, uh, now again... Nori's not young anymore. He's, you know, technically what we used to call our prime. He's in his early 30s, still super talent, um, one of the best, you know, on the planet, like still very, very good. Askarov last fought in K1, I want to say it was 2009, where he had the uh, knee stoppage to the body against Georgia Petrosian. That could have possibly been, I'm trying to remember the last time he was stopped. He said that he hadn't been stopped in like nine years after this fight happened. But uh, I'm wondering if that was it. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But anyways, Askarov makes his return, 14 years essentially a return, to K1 uh, to go against Masaki Nori. This was not even a little bit close. The clear, better kickboxer, stronger, younger, smoother with his technique was Masaki Nori. Came out there, landed clean, a uh, combination, uh, finished with a hook on the end, uh, got Askarov in trouble, he had to go down for a moment, Askarov got back up, they move around, Askarov does a teep, and after, uh, I mean, it was just a slight teep, it moved uh, Masaki Nori just a moment. The moment Masori, Masaki Nori put his left foot in the ground to get back to his stance, he sends a, a straight right hand uh, as we call it shooting it naked he shot it with nothing in front of it no one two just let it go right down the button right hand scores on the jawline ko clean masaki nori is that deal like he's super talented we are at the stage where you have to ask the question what are they going to do to keep building his brand can't do it against askarov types uh they they that helps but that won't make him nationally known and it was also noted that k1 has asked for the rights to k1 international they filed for that that uh they've there's a petition for that so when i was talking about the return or, or this being a great weekend of kickboxing and is this marking the sign of a return of kickboxing that's another one of those signs the fact that they have asked for 
you know, the patent to the international rights of K1 International because they're making a play to leave the country for the first time in a long time. During COVID, it made a lot of sense that they would stay where they were. Uh, and then the fact that um, they have changed their structure to now K1 is taught in school. So you could be a K1 fighter from, you know, what in USA we'd call high school all the way through your development to fighting, you know, in the uh, Koshin type fights. And then all of a sudden you get your opportunity in the K1 uh, on a bigger stage. So, but they had it mostly as a Japanese brand that sustained itself and it did a great job and it created a superstar, Takuru. So it was a success. Now, how do you grow your brand internationally? And the question of course is, who are you bringing on that international stage when you do bring build the brand? So filing for the patent goes one goes a long way. And now let's see what happens with a guy like Masaki Nori. Because clearly, you know, you, you want him to go against Bastati. You want to go to go against the best guys in the world that aren't in K1. Like 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 that is he's that level of talent. He deserves this opportunity. And I'm really hoping that it all comes together for him. But once again, big time win. And Masaki Nori uh, gets another KO stoppage. Jordan Baku gets a victory over Boral uh, Gemeyer. First of all, Gemeyer is as tough as it gets. I, he he got drop, uh, got cornered, got dropped with a hook. Thought that was it. He was able to get back up, made it to the third round, and then another barrage. And he, uh, excuse me, it was right hand that dropped him in the second. And then another barrage. He is throwing a shot as the left hook scores so he pretty much punches into the the left hook of uh jordan piquet and he goes down and he is out a lot of people gave him a lot of love because they didn't see how he made it out of round two he really was it was big time big time you know knockdown but he battled back and he got into it i was surprised that jordan Piquet got an opportunity because he's talented for sure can't can't stress it enough he's super talented he's a very very good fighter uh but the question, you know, he's so big and strong. Most of the time he wins fights because of physicality. So I thought that there'd be a time where Japan would be tired of bringing him out. Because even when their guys can outscore him, he still has the power and he can hurt him and score knockdowns. And, and uh, But he once again got another opportunity. And most importantly, he won my KO. He took advantage of the opportunity. So good stuff. Kitaro Fujimoto, talk about blast from the past. Once upon a time, K1, 100 kg, <laughs> uh, heavyweight champion, gets a victory over Satoshi Ishii. Ishii's very talented. Uh, I thought body type-wise and comfort, you know, I didn't think that he would make it in K1 as a 205-ish or, or heavyweight guy. But he's grown. He's shown really good uh, moments in other fights. Uh, Kyotaro, of course, it's, he would be a legend if the 100... KG belt had more title, had more prestige, had more interest. It does not. Like, it just, it, you, there was a small period of time where it sounded like a good idea because, hey, we want to have one recognized champion for these weight classes. So it sounded like a good idea. But in application, K1 has always been at its best, or kickboxing has always been at its best when there's a tournament. And it just didn't happen there, but it doesn't mean that it won't happen ever. So I'm hoping that. Kitaro, who comes from that era, who's getting this opportunity late in his career. He did some boxing fights, too. He's talented. Like, he's a talented dude. He's got some wins. But when he beat Peter Arts, it's because he had a mean right-hand counter over the jab hand of the, you know, weight-cutting Peter Arts. 
it was great to see. It's great to see. He's a talented person for sure. But this kind of fight won't mean anything if they can't build a division behind it. They've got to build some excitement and some intrigue. This was almost like a super fight, which only has so much self-life. So hopefully, Kitaro put it together. They'll give him another opportunity, or maybe they can, you know, add him to a heavyweight GP or or, or create a lower weight tournament. But still a, a recognizable name in kickboxing. Junji Taito gets a victory over View uh, Pachinson. Uh, Some people... 30-30, twice. Um, it was close. You know, I'd be one of the first people to say I, I, I very much thought that it was it was close. But I also very clearly preferred the work of one guy over another person. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just kind of how this game will always be. I thought that Gunji Tato did a good job of separating himself with the clean, better overall kickboxing. Uh, whereas View, uh, Petskansund, did really good. Uh, still had some some offense. He, he he by no means was blown out of the water. I just liked Gunji's work a little bit better. So when the scorecards went his favor, it didn't you know affect me very much. Akihiro Kaneko gets a victory over Kompech by majority decision for the Super Bantamweight title. Again, 30-30, and then 30-29. Close scores. Very good back and forth action. Good solid fight there. Uh, hopefully see more from Kaneko. Musashi Komura gets a victory over Masahiko Suzuki. Solid performance, 30-28, twice 30-27. Um, Musashi is a talented guy. I, I Keep watching, keep watching. And there's something there. We'll see what happens if it turns this, if he's able to turn this win into something bigger, but still solid victory. Uh, Hirotu Yasumoto gets a victory over Toma Tamabe, uh, Tanabe. Ali Yinta gets a victory over Taku, uh, Takumi Sinekata. Uh, Stefan Letescu uh, gets a victory over Seon Tinagawa. Very awesome fight. Um, Stefan's able to score a knockdown. Seiya Tanagawa battled back, had taken over, like the flow of the fight had moved into his favor, and then he was hit with another shot that finished it. Man, did he battle between. Not often you see that type of battling, but he battled back, and it was really good stuff. So uh, hopefully he will continue to build uh, on this victory. He is a very talented fighter. Ryunu Suke uh, gets a uh, Hoshi gets a victory over Akiri Jr. by KO Punch. Uh, clean stuff there. Kana Miramoto gets a victory over Fonda Alkalias. Uh, the it, the series that stopped it was a barrage where the ref came in, but really the thing that really, really hurt Fonda was a calf kick. There was a calf kick that was perfectly placed. She bounced on a leg after the, the pain of it, and then all of a sudden, Kana comes in close to the distance, lets her boxing offense go, gets a victory. After she gets a victory, she calls out Anissa Mexen. Uh, we'll see if they'll make that fight or not. First of all, I appreciate her for taking the opportunity for trying because Anissa Mexen is as tough as it gets. If you want to be the best, you got to be the best as you know Mexen said once upon a time before she won a tournament so she's a talented girl for sure she she's got all the skill if she if Kana can put it together and put together a performance like this today against Mexen boy we'd have to change the conversation for you know who's the best you know female fighter of the era clearly mexican's coming off the vents who's lost uh like that's that's in the not too recent history so that will affect how we look at this era but right now if that fight were to happen 
the way most people in the world see women's kickboxing, they see it as 1A, 1B. They see Kana, you know, excuse me, as a outsider to that. Uh, it is only Anissa Mexen and is only Tiffany Von Soust. When people think of women kickboxing, best in the world, those are the two names that usually pop up. So if Kana can add herself to that, that would be awesome. Miyu Sagawara gets a victory over uh, Faya Hong. Uh, this was for the women's Adamweight title. Um, Miyu is very talented. She she lost in her first attempt for, uh, trying to win this title. So it's good that, you know, again, back to the gym, back to being your best. She gets the victory. Big time stuff there. I'll go ahead and run off these last. Uh, Yodzilla gets a victory over I Issei Ishii. Uh, a little bit of a fall. I mean, 29-28, two cards, 29-27. Ishii's super talented. He's doing a little bit of a slump, but that's kickboxing for you. I still think Ishii's got a big, big future. Yodzilla, big-time victory. Yuki Gawa gets a victory over Young Sung Kang. Uh, just a barrage of punches gets the victory for Yuki Gawa. Uh, hopefully, they keep, keep building his brand. Uh, Tsuya Iwawo gets a victory over Yuta Kanedo by uh, KO. Pakorn gets a victory over Yoda uh, Suzuki by decision. Shintaro no, Matsukura gets a victory over Igor Silva. And then I will call it there. Call it there. Big long card. Call it there. Uh, so, as I mentioned before, K1 getting the international, uh, you know, um, Filing to have the license or the the promoting rights to the term K1 International, that's exciting. It's exciting that they're leaving Japan. They still have a lot of strength with their name brand. I'm excited to see what happens to the K1 moving forward. Special, special, special. You know, part of my heart is attached to their success. So I'm always rooting for them, and I'm glad to hear that they're going to hit the international stage again. Now we move on to Glory Kickboxing, and Glory had a very very solid card. We'll go to the top of the card. Tijani Bastadi gets a victory over Petch Pamarong. Uh, Kitmoon 9, or Petch as they've just been calling him. He, he wins by TKO in round four. Basically, the story is Petch could not hurt the bigger, longer, stronger, faster, younger. Oh, well, you can make some arguments for faster, but for sure, younger Tijani Bastadi. Tijani walked him down. No fear of the left kick to the body. Kept his boxing going strong he had this really really cool uh where he lead he used his lead hand as a hook and then turn out afterwards uh he used it to trap he was scoring so many unanswered knees which you rarely see uh against any tie but man he just you know he just put it together that's really what it was everything seemed to work Petch always felt like he was fighting back. I think if you want to give him a round I think three is a, a round that if you wanted to give a Petch that one was probably the closest but outside of that, Sejani was in control. He lands a shot with, you know, uh, a body shot with the boxing first. And Petch is starting to back up, and he keeps closing the distance, throwing offense. And then he shoots the teep, catches the body, uh, you know, and then, you know, down goes Petch. Petch did his best. He was clearly fighting a bigger, stronger man. And during the week of the press conference, he was honest about it. He embraced it. He said, I understand that for the first time in a long time, I could lose this fight. This guy is bigger and better. I've, it's going to bring out the best of me. So it, it didn't go his way, but I still appreciate that daring to be great. Trying to get something against a guy in a bigger weight class, especially a guy like that. There, there are some guys who, if he had tried it against, they're short enough for him to have success. Not the case this time. That is a big, strong guy, you know, a, a big, strong opportunity to... Uh, 
uh, excuse me, a big strong athlete to try to wear down with the offense that you have success with in the lower weight classes because they can't deal with the power of it. You take away that element, you've got to be able to score your boxing a little bit more, and it just didn't happen. So uh, I am excited that Bastadi put on this performance because he's a young star. And young is where we got to go. The kickboxing world has always got to keep transitioning. I watched Gago Drago be one of the best young kickboxing prospects of all time, especially going to 154. I watched him win, earn that opportunity, get on that, that stage, have some success, have some losses. But man, he, he looked like he deserved to be there. And then he got older. And now someone else has got to come in. I watched Robin Van Roosmalen get entered into a tournament. Uh, Fast and Furious tournament for uh, it's Showtime. Ends up winning the tournament when you could argue that uh, Arthur Kishingo was the favorite. He stops him, goes on to have a really great career in the 90s. Now somebody's got to take over for him. That's kind of where this game goes. The young movement has got to step up. So Bastadi is there. Now, of course, people are going to argue that one championship has the best 70 kg fighters, which they do at 154. They they have the the best super bond, and you know they've got the best around that weight class. But man, man, this is a clear big win for a young star that you want to carry us into the the future and even though he didn't he wasn't able to get the rub of beating a k1 star that the rub means he wasn't able to beat them and then leave a bigger star than he was going into it like you get something from the encounter it's a wrestling term they use all the time where you have somebody that's famous and you're trying to build a, a new star so then you have the old star loose to the new star so that people know how good they are they pay attention to them so in combat sports world it works the same there's this idea that you beat or you uh, uh, deal with, you know, um, you create young stars by having them fight old stars. And if they beat them, then everybody goes, oh, he beat blank. That means he's legit. And that's kind of what we have going on here. So good stuff, Bastadi. They got to get you some, you know, more guys coming in to fight. And we'll kind of see where things go after that. But shout out to, you know, Dejani uh, Bastadi. And hopefully more entertaining fights are coming. Tariq Babez gets a TKO victory over Daniel Toledo. Daniel Toledo, for about one and a half minutes, came out, landed a lot of kicks, low kicks, body kicks. He, he had an upright stance, chin high, boxing from MMA. And MMA, a lot of times, because of the takedowns, you try, sometimes people have a more open stance because they want to be better prepared for when someone shoots and etc. But man, in this particular situation, the... Chin high was worse. <laughs> uh, uh, it did not work in his favor for the entire, you know, three rounds. Tariq was all power. He really was shooting for the, the combination or for the KO. He's got one of my favorite combos because he, he rips a right uppercut to a left hook to a low kick. He, whenever he lets it go from whatever stance, it is so smooth. And he was scoring everything in the book against Toledo. Uh, Toledo was still grateful for the opportunity. He had, you know, a bunch of MMA fights and a bunch of kickboxing fights. He just didn't have the skill to deal with Kababas, who who had really been, you know, losing some fights lately. He's a tough kid. But, man, he put it all together today. His boxing combos were strong, powerful. was able to find a low kick afterwards. Uh, and they ended up stopping, you know, stopping it after uh, the end of round two. Kababas had a series where... He landed some big offense, and then all of a sudden, boom, 
Scores a knockdown where Toledo falls out of the bottom rope. Toledo worked himself back in, to his credit, got up, looked ready to go, and his corner stepped in and made the decision for him, which was an awesome decision. You got to take care of your athletes. Big time win uh, for Cabavez, and he's already set up for, and I don't think it's this card, but maybe the card after it, he's in that four-man heavyweight tournament that they announced. Jay Overmeyer gets a victory over Jamie Bates. Very competitive, clean kickboxing fight after round one. I like Jay Overmeyer work work better. Jamie Bates was still right there. Very, very crafty. Uh, boxing offense was very crafty. I found some situational kicks. But then Overmeyer was able to hurt him with a shot to the body. Bates got up, tried to battle through it. Uh, it was no good. Jay Overmeyer closed the distance, continued to land big shots. Hurt um, hurt over uh, uh, hurt the uh englishman and gets a three take or three knockdowns big time one for jay overmere young guy young guy gotta build him he said he's ready for the 70 kg title uh something that we'll discuss what they announced a little bit earlier but man it is huge for kickboxing that a young star good looking star Dutch got that 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 home base for selling tickets future would go out there and not just win but win with the performance that you remember big time stuff and I'm excited to see him moving forward Felipe Micheletti finally put it together against Nordin Mahadin it was his best performance I'd say in glory he's gotten wins before but this one really stood out uh the scores were 28 27 29 26 all the way through for three more and then 30 25 on another one um there was two knockdowns scored but uh lady probably could have won by ko but he goes out there lands some offense you could see that after very good kickboxing exchanges between both of them i thought there was a slight edge felipe Micheletti, and uh but you know some judges had it the other way they had two rounds for nordine but then they go in there in the third kickboxing action is hot a body shot scores and nordine goes down the ref is giving the count and Mechaletti gets excited so he leaves the corner and celebrates before the count's over and then the ref sent him back to the corner and then instead of picking up where the count would be he went back to the number that he was on so he goes back to seven so basically they got the you know seven he has this celebration and he stops counting, goes over, addresses him. He says, get in the corner, goes back, gives the guy, you know, a f- you know, gives uh, Nordine a few more moments to recover. After he recovers, uh, he's knocked down again, but he's able to get out of the round. So it is a decision in favor of Felipe Mescheletti, who's, I mean, he's going to be on, on standstill for a little bit because clearly Abena has got to do it again with Masaboyev. But he put on a pretty solid performance here, the kind of performance that gets you excited about his future. So really good stuff there. Michael Bopea probably had the best performance on the whole card as he gets a victory at Retro Bayrock. Bayrock's talented. He scored in spots for sure. But man, man, he had no answer for Michael Bopea's forward pressure his offense his situational combo to low kicks but his defense was the thing that stood out the best to me it's probably the best defensive fight i've seen in kickboxing in years he checked a lot of kicks and i mean a lot got that leg up was able to stop that kick from scoring to the thigh was able to get into his boxing game was able to neutralize with the right step offs and then the right opportunities to engage with his power boxing it was a complete performance by Michael Bopea. Now I know they're my gonna, you know, there's not a lot of guys, so they'll probably rush him to Donovan Vise, but he put it together. This is a good one, and I'm super, super excited to see Michael Bopea fight again. Uh, 
Sofian Leodoni gets a victory over Nabil uh, Kash, uh, excuse me, Kashab. Uh, 29-28 on two cards, 30-27 on the rest. Uh, Leodoni is talented. He kind of shocked that a lot of people thought that uh, Kashba, uh, Kashab would be a better kickboxing uh, stylish, but he was more looking for the power shots to get up on the scorecards, where Sofian's kickboxing and his consistent offense from the southpaw stance was landing clean throughout. It was really entertaining stuff. Very excited to see what happens with him moving forward, but they got to find there. Sofian Leodoni is the guy to be watching. Chico Quasi can add himself to that list as he gets a victory over Stefan Orza. Uh, everything was good. Like his kickboxing was good. He's very quick. He was able to step away from Orza's uh, offense a lot of times. His boxing power was really good. And then all of a sudden he gets Orza in trouble with the body shot. Goes back to work. Lands strong upstairs. Then he ends up finishing it back to the body with a knee right at the end of the round. Uh, he had cornered Nabil, or, uh, Stefan. And Stefan was trying to kind of, you know, earmuffing up and trying to time the perfect overhand something people do when they're in trouble but the knee had landed clean and down he goes Chico Quasi is not just that he's good he's got a look about him uh, he loves the anime thing that made me laugh uh, he had the uh, Lofi f uh, from One Piece had the hat like he just he, you love what you love and he went out there represented and he looked like a guy who was having fun and he said man I know I'm new but that was this right guy so I should fight for the title next that's what you want you want a guy who could sell themselves Good stuff by Chico Quasi. The card started with uh, Strachinja uh, Mechik as he gets a victory over David Tuetupoa. Probably the David's probably the biggest guy I've ever seen in glory kickboxing. They said that he was listed, I want to say it was like 380. So he was just a huge, huge guy, 6'9". Uh, but he didn't have anything for um, uh, Matrix uh, kickbo or kickboxing. Low kicks got him hurt. David had some moments early where I was like, hmm, maybe he's going to blast him out of there with his boxing. One, two, three, two was landing really, really smooth. But then as the fight wore on, it was clear the better kickboxer uh, and the ability to hurt and slow their opponent was done by uh, Metric, who gets the victory to open up the card. Uh, clearly, my main thing is I got to get David, <laughs> hilariously, David versus Goliath. Uh, I got to get that fight. Glory, you got to put that together. Uh, you know, he's fought Rico. He's, you know, got Goliath has fought a lot of guys who, you know, at the top, names that we know. But man, giant versus giant, because David is not small like David of the Bible. It's another David. The fact that those two going at it would be great. Now, again, I know he's got the deal. He's supposed to fight Rico Vieira, but Rico's out, so we're not going to see him for a long time. Ben Zadik, go ahead, get in there, fight David. Goliath versus David, who's also a Goliath. That would be a lot of fun. So we'll go ahead and finish the card up. Uh, we're going to go to one championship uh, to round out the show. Again, always good action. We start off with uh, Pet Lampoon as he gets a victory over Rumbong. The he caught a kick with the uh, um, the uh, I guess what you call the scoop catch. The teeth came down the middle. He threw his throw it out of the way. Put the boxing combo hook right behind it. Landed clean. A goodbye knockout. Clean. Rumbong's uh, gone. Pet Lampoon gets the victory and moves on. Very very good stuff. Uh, Petsu uh, Kumvit gets a 
victory over Petch Mongsugri. Uh, he was able to, in the second round, a barrage of offensive punches on the ropes. He wasn't able to, uh, Petch uh, Mongsugri was not able to get out to defend himself. He ends up going down, and Petch Skumvit gets the victory there. Next, we had Kunsuk Noi gets a victory over uh, Nursik Again, it was a barrage of punches when he got him in trouble towards the ropes. Uh, Big-time KO there. The bodies were hitting the floor all over in this card. Uh, Bum Lorette gets a victory over... So, excuse me. Uh, Bum Lorette gets a victory over Nortorn Knee. Uh, KO punches. Again, the barrage able to position him. Uh, Mung Sun Krum got a big-time... Uh, Single punch KO over Jamhat. The card just had KOs all over the place. Uh, Jamhat Auto Muay Thai gets a vicious, vicious elbow against Daniel uh, Gillenberg. Daniel actually was trying to exchange back with the elbows, but the more powerful shots came from Jamhat. Uh, and then afterwards, Daniel hurt literally turns away and stumbles as opposed to like battling it out it's almost like he maybe took an injury or something. But but he just the battle he was in it. And he was down, but all of a sudden the right elbow scores, and that's game time. So awesome stuff. Uh, I can't stress you enough. I keep telling you guys about things in kickboxing because this is the most news that I've gotten in a while. This, as I did this show, I was sitting down putting my notes together. I go, man, there is so much kickboxing from so many places to talk about. Even something as simple as the return of Murtho Grunhart who said he's gone to MMA for a little bit. And I just think that he feels, it's not that he wasn't having success, but because it wasn't fast-tracked to the UFC, uh, everybody looking at the big MMA money, he probably wondered, man, I've done kickboxing longer. I love kickboxing. I want to go back to it. So he popped up uh, on the broadcast, and he said he's back, and they have already announced in the last weekend of April that he will be fighting for the... K are uh, fighting for the glory 70 kg title against Indy Similier. It's going to be a good one. Similier clearly has got the smooth kickboxing advantage. Murtha Grunhart, all violence team. He's just an explosion away from killing anybody in the sport. He is that talented of a guy. And his jump and switch knees and his high kicks and his power punch. He just finds the right opportunity for a you know 70 kg guy or a smaller division guy as compared to the heavyweights and middleweights and you know 209. He has probably one of the best resumes for KOs of anybody that's under. You know, going back to it, I mentioned Askarov, and I'd wondered if this loss to Pedrosian was his last KO stop. No way. I think his last one might have been against Murtho Grunhart. Murtho Grunhart is that level of guy. He's really, really talented. Uh, he's really powerful. This is a good fight to put together. And again, it's that if Indy wins it, it's that changing of the guard. It's beating someone who's got that resume. So we'll see where it leads. Forgive if you notice a little glitch in there, but I decided that I was going to make this episode longer because I wanted to preview the one championship event that's going down. It's just, uh, and also I missed last weekend's. When I finished recording, the next day was one championship from last week, and I go, man, there's some results I really want to get on here. So I decided to take the time and get it on the show because I plan on having a guest next week. So we're going to go ahead and go to Regan Ursel defending his uh, World Muay Thai title uh, as he gets victory over uh, San Sumut. It, it was a great, great fight, one of the fights of the year, uh, because it told a story. Sometimes when we think of fights of the year, we think of clearly the, you know, 
almost the kickboxing standard, if you will. We, we go to Zambides and Shahid. Uh, and the reason why we like that fight is because there were so many back and forth. And at several times during the fight, you wondered if the other person was going to take over and then the other person got it back. So usually people like the back and forth wars where you're not sure uh, who got the card or whoever got the card got it a little bit. And then, of course, that had the emphatic ending because they had a knockdown call right at the end of the extra extension. So, but just the attitude, the, the, the you know, the, the stare off, everything about that makes it the fight that people talk about in kickboxing. And to this day, once a week, I'll see it pop up on, on my Facebook timeline and somebody will say, truly a war, or what kickboxing is about, or greatness, or something like that. <laughs> but the other type of fight that can also be truly great is when the rounds tell different stories. So for this fight, Sinsimut clearly, clearly won the first two rounds. Uh, Ursul was finding success here and there with single shots, and he'd fire his 3-2 and, and you know, uh, occasionally work with the, the legs and some step knees. But most of it was just Sinsimut outscoring him. Like, uh, the opportunities he's got, he got, he got with the boxing, he would let go threes and fours. The opportunities he got with the kicks, he'd usually double up on them. Like, he did a good job of outscoring him. It was clear that after two rounds, Sunsumut was up. Then comes the third. And some people gave Sunsumut the third. But to me, there was a clear body language change. Ursul continued with his steady work, still work with his pressure, never let uh, Sunsumut uh, get comfortable and work in space. He had to either be offensive or he had to be on the move. But Regan never let his foot off the gas as far as his forward pressure, even when he didn't offer a lot of offense. And you saw it work on Sunsumut. You saw him slow to slow down. You saw, saw him break down. So even if you gave him the third, the writing was on the wall for what happened in the fourth round. So then after clearly Ursel's having his best round, he lands a beautiful left hook to the body uh, that scores. And it scored as uh, Sunsumut was backing up. Sunsumut puts up a hand to go down to a knee. He kind of finished with two more uh, uh, shots. Like he threw another hook. Uh, uh, and then he threw a knee, if I remember correctly. But clearly Sunsumut was on his way down. And he was done. He was done fighting. Ursul played the game. He talked about how he was just kind of patient. He stayed with his game plan and he kept his offense going. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see if like him and Chingiz Alazov, if people are going to pick up. Now, again, the athlete matters. But if people are going to pick up on a way to fight the bigger ties and have success, um, you know, like the, you know, 154 pounds or 70 kgs or 77 kgs or the bigger weights, clearly the population of thailand doesn't produce a lot of people that are that size that are big like that so they're still skilled people have been fighting you know young men who've been fighting from you know 10 to 13 years old when they get to start so even if they're in a bigger weight class they're still tough though you would say in thailand the strongest weight classes are going to be your 122 to 141 range you've got a lot of elite guys there uh so i thought that this win is something that other people can blueprint if they have the the toughness, if they have the physical, because one thing that Re Regan Ursel had to do is he had to be hard, as we say. You know, he had to be able to take things and keep going forward and keep throwing offensive shots. So this was a big time win for him. My favorite victory of his so far won championship. He's put on some decent performances. This I thought was his best because he had to deal with the adversity. Awesome, awesome stuff by Regan Ursel. 
Next, we're going to talk about Muay Thai as he gets a victory over Kulabdan and another fight of the year type candidate. This one was different. This one was like I talked about before. This was the the heart, the strong back and forth where one guy would get an advantage and the other guy would get an advantage. But the Muay Thai body language looked like Kulabdan, who probably was up 2-0 going into the third, looked like Kulabdan had, had changed the pace of things. Like he, like he had he would win his offensive exchanges a little bit more than Wang Tai. It felt more like Wang Tai was fighting back instead of leading the dance. But man, elbow king, elbow zombie, when he finds his moment, he finds his moment. He lands a perfect right elbow uh, in the in, uh, at the finish of an exchange. Kulabdan goes down. Kulabdan is gone. Like that was just awesome stuff. Awesome fight. Wang Tai, he very much reminds me of Anwa. Like... Clearly, Anuat was a bigger name, and he's known more for having the Tyson punching power. But the reason why I say it is he was available. Like, you could hit him back. So when Anuat started to hit the international stage, clearly he had a lot of victories. But he also ran into some losses because he played the game that Europeans are used to. Like, he played a game where there's a lot more boxing and he's a lot more available. Whereas the ties that Europeans usually, or that everybody usually struggles with, is those that play the the teep, the body kick, the movement game. You know, the, the, the pesh type game that is the tie the type of tie that usually gives americans trouble muang thai or, or westerners trouble muang thai is right there right in front of you just like ratang he's there he's available to get hit and if he finds his moment with his elbows you are in trouble and in this fight it showed his his strength and it showed his weaknesses kulab don there bang it out both of them had good offense should be noted i just thought kulab don had more good offense in both the two rounds so when he found his opportunity Bang, hits him with the big shot. Muang Thai goes down, or excuse me, uh, uh, had Muang Thai hurt early. Uh, I don't, I can't remember if he went down or not. I think he did. But then it comes round three, Kulabadon still putting the pressure on, still looking for offense. Muang Thai still looking for his moment. And when the right elbow scored, it was just as beautiful a score as you can be. Like, just awesome, awesome stuff. Next, we move to Sam A, who gets a victory over Ryan Chihan. Um... He already had him in trouble. He looked the superior throughout, but then he landed a perfect punching counter as Ryan was was throwing a kick. Ryan kind of uh, spun to the floor and hit the ground and was done. Sam Azali, he's one of those guys. You're always going to be excited to see him on the card. We are grateful that the one championship platform, no matter what people think about the, the business model or no matter what people think about, you know, uh, they don't give a map. Like, I'm one thing. I'm like, man, I want to know how you win a title shot. Like, I don't get a clear map. They for sure give you the opportunity to see high-level ties on a big stage. And Sam A proved once again why he is such an elite fighter and why he's such a, a, a you know a violent dude. He brings that action. He's a, a really, really good fighter. In what I feel is probably the right up at the top as far as the most important fights in the card, Petsh Jijian gets a victory over Fani Palumpi. Petsh Jija is... The, the next she's the future she is i think 19 years old but she is the star for thailand for years to come so first of all she made herself famous six you know you know six years ago i want to say seven eight years ago uh as the videos would pop up as the girl who beats the boys. Now, again, she's not the first to do this. Amon Barlow, who we're going to talk about later, she had a lot of success with uh, boys when she also fought in the younger state ages. But Petshi Ja is as technical as can be. She is strong with her boxing, strong with her kick game. And when she burst on the scene, 
everyone the videos would pop up of her stopping boys and and you know how strong she was then of course after you hit that you know puberty and you hit that teenage maturity things change a little bit 13 14 years old it's a lot harder to fight the boys so she focused more on the female opposition but the buzz going into this fight and about how talented she is and who she is man everybody and i mean everybody knew this girl was something different when they saw that she was fighting Fani, who i thought was a good step up opposition now Fani's older like i think she's 37 38 uh but she's fought all the best she fought him on barlow fought any elite name you can think of Fani's probably been in there with her she, she's had a great career i think she owns a gym now uh in greece and and just she brings it and she had no excuses she posted she went to social media right afterwards she had a game plan for beating Petch G. Josh. she really did what she would do is she would play second she let Petch get her offense off first she would look to throw a boxing counter or a kick counter and then the moment it got into the grapple she would lock on and she wouldn't allow for a lot of offense i thought fanny did a good job of game planning a superior fighter but when Petch G. Josh started to score in space she started to score with the boxing you could see that the writing was on the wall uh, and she was able to take Fani's shots because Fani hit her with some very good counters with the boxing. It, it just didn't matter. She just walked straight through it. She kept Fani on the back foot, kept her in the corner, kept her, as I mentioned before, fighting back, not winning the fight. And she eventually scores a big shot, scores a knockdown. Then they get into exchange. She's like on the, like round two, she's moving around, trying to survive, trying to survive. Then Petsh Jia finds the perfect opportunity for a left hook to the body. I mean, the bodies were just getting killed in this in this, this event Fani bends over goes down she's not able to continue right punch right time Petschi job made the statement showcase victory that one championship was hoping for now whatever they do with her is good I would love to see how she would do against Anissa Mexen I don't know how that situation is going to hold out because Anissa Mexen and one championship seem to be kind of battling a little bit right now just due to, to things that have happened in the past but whoever your champions are she's ready She's ready right now. Um, now, if they want to build her brand, I've got no problem. If they want to give her two or three more fights where, you know, she puts that stoppage stamp on it against the European. But eventually, you want to build her up as your next star. She is that talented. Next, we got... Uh, uh, Salomain uh, looks on as he gets a, a, a KO victory over Shango. As I mentioned before, the just stoppages were coming nonstop in this one. Another stoppage was from uh, Yodluk Peck. He gets one over Simon. Good stuff there. Saxon got a decision victory over uh, Sylvia uh, Vitez. Good stuff there. And um, the Tiger. Um, Kalilov, excuse me, if I believe I've got that right. Kalilov victory over Black Panther. It's probably my one of my favorite KOs on the card of all the KOs because it was literally like a, a like he beasted up, like he just found a superpower one moment, and the next thing you know, he is all over, <laughs> all over the opposition. Basically, um, they're. Black Panther came out, was landing low kicks in space and moving, and uh, Tigger calls him on. Then after he calls him on, he walks him down and lets go an offensive barrage that didn't stop until he got the KO victory over Black Panther. He let them hands go. He was aggressive with his offense, gets the stoppage. I just like the mental message that is sent. It was like, are you you know, are you kidding me? You're trying to embarrass me on TV? And then he kind of like put the offense in. Great stuff. Excited to see more of Kalilov. I believe I have that correct. Uh, last one I'm going to talk about is just the Nagrab Fairtex victory over Shai Shen Jai. I've mentioned this before in Thailand. So if you go into any gym, so thanks to uh, Joe Rogan and his podcast, if you go into any gym, you are going to notice that 
the way they teach the Muay Thai clinch is different than how you see in mixed martial arts. So for example, in mixed martial arts, one thing that you'll always see is what Joe Rogan calls the, t the, the Thai plum. You know, like when I was in Thailand, I didn't hear that term as much, but you, everybody knows what it, what it means. The reason why you don't hear it as much is because they don't teach it that way in Thailand. They want you to have one collar control on one side and they want you to have bicep or arm control on the other side. That way you can feel when someone pummels, that way you can feel when offense is coming, that way you can time things. If you ever see someone get full, both forearms around the neck, hands connected behind the head, it is usually a sign that one fighter is superior to the other fighter because they should know how to go body lock, they should know how to go plumb, they should know how to fight the arms. If they ever get stuck there, it is a sign that the other person is superior and you're not gonna win. This is a perfect example of a stoppage due to that because knock rob got the lock on the clinch and, and and he dominated every time he got to the spot and when he got there chin didn't pummel all he did was hold his arms down and try to block the knees as fairtex kept you know smashing him into his body and then the ref rightfully came in and stopped the fight because one fighter was showing superiority this is something that you only see in thailand if you see it in the rest of the world they're just going to let you eat knees until you're dead so um uh, but yeah, that's pretty much uh, how the fight was broken down. And so I'll wrap this show up with just a quick preview for what's going on with one championship. Top of the card, Superlek goes against Daniel Williams. That's going to be a good one. It's going to come down to can Daniel Williams push forward and get enough offensive, uh, dictate enough offensive respect for Superlek to have to respond to it. Uh, Superlek is going to be able to play the game. He's going to be able to play off the back foot. He's going to have the teeps. He's going to have the body kicks. He'll have the situational boxing. Can Daniel do enough with his overwhelming kickboxing offense to get the victory? Uh, that is for the flyweight kickboxing world championship. So it'll be fun to see where that one goes. Alicia Helen Rodriguez is going to go against Janet Todd. And it's just going to come down to... Can someone get the rhythm of Janet Todd? Because John, Janet is, she, she's got her, her combination of low kick game down, period. She's got to score low kicks against, I don't care who you are, you're getting low kicked by Todd, she's got it down. But the thing that makes her so tough is she's got the situational and the sporadic body kicks and teeps. If Rodriguez can sustain some effective offense to keep Todd off balance as she goes for it, uh, she goes for her own offense, she could have success here. But if not, Janet Todd has got the tools to win the rounds much better than Rodriguez. So good stuff there. Um, other ones, we've got Itsuku Hirotaka as she goes against So Lee. That should be a good one. Um, let me see. I want to keep it more. I'll focus more on the Muay Thai stuff. Uh yeah, go ahead and uh, that's the only MMA I'm going to mention. The next one I really like a lot is the undercard of this is very solid. The the card that that's you know bonus bouts I guess as it says on their website. But Ekaterina Vendryeva against Iman Barlow. Ekaterina fought at a lower weight class. Uh, she's had some 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 good rounds though at this weight class. She she did pretty good. Um, but Iman Barlow, if she could beat Iman Barlow, that would be a big time victory because Iman is stronger. She's got the stronger boxing. She's got the stronger body kicks and the clinch. It, it would. Vanderyeva would have to be a better version of herself than she's shown so far in her career. Now, she's had some really standout moments, uh, but I just think Iman Barlow is the better, more skilled Muay Thai fighter. Uh, Eddie Abasolo and Nick Larson has just got fireworks all over it. I'm surprised these two fights are not on the main card, like just especially since this is going to be shown here in the States. But either way, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a fun card. I'm excited to see how things shape up. Uh, thank you guys all for listening. Like I mentioned, 
K1 announced their international, uh, K1 International, so they're going to start going the uh, to other countries again. Glory kickboxing, killing it. Right now, the sport is at its strength. So God bless. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to hearing from you all down the road. Thanks.